Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Alone at Lunch early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Urban Outfitters, Sephora, and Nike. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Alone at Lunch. I am Emily Walsh, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Carly Montag. How are we doing, Lunchables? How are we doing? I am I am feeling pepped up. I'm excited uh, about this episode. I'm excited about this guest. We had Vicki Cooperman on the podcast this week. Vicky's so cool. Uh, first of all, she's the most like generous person. What you didn't see in this, what we won't see in this episode is how many resources she gave Emily and I after the show about comedy and her our careers. And so, first of all, listen to this episode just because she deserves all the love and attention. <laughs> but also listen because uh, you've seen Vicky on Live from Gotham, Nickelodeon. Um, you've heard her on Sirius XM. You, she has comedy albums, loves a joke, when I could feel all good. There's comedy. She has a tour that she does with her husband called the Loves a Joke Tour, uh, where she and her husband perform with other couples or people who used to date or anything that where they've been in a relationship together. So just running a great tight comedy ship for over ten years of of uh, hilariousness. So give this episode a listen. There's a, a lot of cool things that you'll learn about, um, you know, Jewish refugees and. Um, you know, she wears very bold neckwear, so definitely look into that. Uh, get some pictures of her, <laughs> which you can't see uh, here, but you can see if you go to her Insta or watch her her videos. But uh, it's a really fun episode, so we hope you enjoy. I'm really crushing it today, <laughs> Emily. You're killing it today. Let's just start with that. Let's start with you just sneezing. Yeah, that's great audio. People love to hear other people's allergies on the air. Uh, I think the sneeze went back into my face. I think I'm good. Uh, hello, Vicky. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? 
Well, we're doing okay, it seems. Uh, I just want to say, I know that we don't have a lot of visual here, but I love that you have these like beautiful pearls, but you're also like in your gym studio. Like it's, I love the contrast. The Peloton behind me. The Peloton and the yoga mat and you're, you know, you're just (laughs) looking so nice and fancy. It's just so funny. It's so funny. I, uh, everyone always mentions my neckwear. And when I leave jobs, people are like, I'll miss your neckwear the most. <laughs> wow. Not even you, just your neckwear. You have, like, it's just, you've really curated something. I have, I have, it's a brand and it's not that hard to put on a necklace. So I don't think I have a patent or <laughs> a license on just ordering a necklace and putting it on. But I guess in this world, everything is just such a struggle that even when you do just put on a necklace, it's noticed. That feels really difficult to me. I don't know. Like the idea that you have multiple Mm -hmm. ones, it's like, where are you storing them? Where do they live when they're not on your body? How do you pick the one you're putting on? You know what? Yeah, storage is an issue. And they're kind of, I have a jewelry box. Are they in it? No, they're all on top of it. Sure. Um, and the nice ones that actually cost money or were gifts are in their own special compartment. I don't even know where that is. Don't tell my <laughs> husband. I don't know. But um, no, it's somewhere. And it's funny you said that because when my neighbor hangs out with me, she goes, I know I have to dress up to match that you'll be dressed up. And mm. she goes, I just don't know how you do it. Because when I wake up, I just take a, a shirt or a dress out of a pile of clothes next to my bed. I go, I do too. I just make sure that pile is nice clothes. And she was like, oh, that's fire. I have a jewelry box that's like pretty sizable because my mom gave it to me once I got engaged. And I'm pretty sure the only jewelry I still own is my engagement ring and my wedding ring. And and then I have this like giant briefcase size box. I'm like, I don't know what to put in here. Legos. Yeah. I don't know what to put in here. <laughs> My jewelry is all in funny. a Ziploc bag in, <laughs> in like a, in another bag. That's what my jewelry is. It's just a couple of earrings I wore 10 oh, years wow. ago, a couple of necklaces and that's it. Just all in a Ziploc. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. When I travel, like for a comedy gig, I do put my jewelry in Ziploc. That's the thing. I store clothes and jewelry like everyone else. I just make sure it's nice. It's not like I have a special. I don't put away my furs for the summer. You know what I mean? There's nothing like that. Are you also eating on Good China regularly? Um, I don't know. Why don't you guys come over for dinner and you tell me? I I don't I don't think it's like Sotheby's China or anything, but they're pretty plates. Emily, I got an invitation. I did. Yeah, I mean, in the first minute, that's impressive. We we used to have very cool vintage plates that I was like very proud of, and I could tell I didn't know that Danny didn't like them until we got married. We were getting married, and he was like, "Well, why don't we get some plates like in the registry?" And I was like, "We have plates. Like, what are you talking? We don't need." plates and he was like "Ah, what if we got some plates and I was like okay so they're now packed up and we have we own land that will hopefully someday have a house on in many many years question mark amount of time but they're like ready to go up at the the house of state and then I found out that most of those old vintage plates are full of lead and I probably shouldn't I don't know if mine are. I have to find out if mine are. But apparently, like a lot of people who use vintage like cookware and vintage plates, there's lead in them. So I don't know how to find that out. I should maybe just leave them in that box, uh, never to be eaten on again. But also, I might have lead poisoned myself trying to be quirky in my 20s. So hard to say. Oh, no. 
Yeah, um, pretty much everything uh, I eat on is my grandparents' old food wear. So, you know, they live pretty long, so I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, <laughs> you're fine. You know, I think we've – well, it's important to be safe, but there's so much information every day about how everything's killing you. I just stopped listening. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Emily, minute. I want to go back – yeah, it does. But I want to go back. I think it's really old school that you got a jewelry box when you got married. I don't know what even that means. Like, it's <laughs> I, like your mom was like, now, now that you're going to be a missus – this is a whole new life of jewelry and entertaining at the top of a staircase. You she, know, like she what? also gave me the joy of cooking cookbook the year I got married. And oh she was, God. it was very sweet. I'm not even making fun of her. It was very sweet. She was like, my, I got this book when I got married. It, it, I learned how to cook this way. And I was like, mom, that's really kind and lovely. But right. you know that I'm 36 and that also Danny does all the cooking. Like I'm not right. 25. I'm not starting my home with my hope chest and like my dreams right. of like and entertaining <laughs> the having like worried about the governor coming over for dinner. I was like, I, I think she just kind of <laughs> was lost and wanted to do something nice. And now I have stuff I d can't get rid of because it's from my mom, but I also don't use. So that is the situation. Yeah, it's like, Emily, Emily, you're going to be a wife and we have to have the talk now about getting your ears pierced. Literally. You know, literally. you have to get earrings and uh, you have to uh, get an apron. I so. think my mom would be happier if my ears were pierced. They're not. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, mine aren't either, by the way. Mine Where aren't either. On. But also I do, yeah. think, I do think my mom is evolving because for Christmas she gave Danny an apron, not me. Oh. Nice. So I think she's learning so she's listening. what's happening in our household. I think she's getting Is it, it like a barbecue apron with like a man with like a six pack. No, it's actually like a very cute, like vertically striped, like navy blue, white striped apron. And then she wrote, she asked me, she was like, I can embroider something on it. What should I put on it? Should I write Danny? And I was like, you can write Danny or... I know whenever he plays a video game, he uses the name Buckley's Bud, which is our dog's name. So he's Buckley's Bud when he plays whatever. So the apron says Buckley's Bud on it, and he fucking loves it. <laughs> and he thought it was her idea. He doesn't know that I like, well, now he does, I guess. But I, um, yeah. He, Emily, I love how you're like, you know what I relate cooking to? Playing a video game. Well, both I just, you know, are, if you're putting your name on something. Both are silly, and I don't do either one. So you might as well be Buckley's Bud when you do both of them. But, you know, I mean, I think I'm just happy that she's starting to realize what's like happening in our house because I because she has asked me more than once. She's like, have you made anything from the cookbook yet? And I'm like, no, I'll try. I'll try soon. But no. And realistically, I'm not going to. But I will you. do it, but I will not do it with joy. I will just do yeah, the cooking. I will do the joy of, of, the cooking. of cooking. I will not have any joy. But, you know, she's she's evolving. We're going to get there someday. Vicky, do you do the cooking in your household? Um, I think it's pretty even. Max, nice. though, has an edge on me because he does baking. I do not Ooh. bake. It is so scientific. He became a total baker since the pandemic and Great British Baking Show. He makes things and he, he now talks like uh, he'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, I have to let the ganache sit. And I'm like, what <laughs> are you talking about? Or like he, he has like tools, different tools, different pans. Um, he's like. He's like, all you have to do is, I'm like, stop with the all you have to do is. That's not, I'm not a baker. <laughs> I'm not doing so it. I'll never understand. But it, even when you say all you have to do is, you, you're telling me 18 steps, I'm not computing. Yeah. Well, that's and, great that he did that. Yeah. Now you got all those wonderful baked goods in your house. 
Yeah. Yes. Um, but I did, uh, because men always announce when they do things and they get like the hero clap and the red carpet. <laughs> so I must announce he was sick, not with COVID, not that it matters anymore, two weeks ago. And I made homemade chicken soup, chicken noodle soup. So oh, wow. yeah. thank you. Thank you. Wow. Yes. And it was really good. It was really good. That's impressive. Uh, so, you yes, have a family so. recipe like where you, that is the go-to? Not really. No, I just found something online. Um, yeah. I bet and you I made Joy cooking I has one. I bet you if I am. I, I, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I do find stuff online. I like, I made an Ina Garten recipe of, it's called herb green salmon the other day, but I used Martha Ooh. Stewart's wine. Do not tell either of them. I would be mortified. If they- <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I also was uh, sick recently and, and Kate, my partner made me chicken soup and it was delicious, but, um, I was recently at like a friend's event gathering and they made, um, chicken soup, matzo ball soup. And apparently their recipe was so secret. They couldn't even tell us what vegetables were in it. We're like, we can see the vegetables. They're like, Oh, but you can't know what other vegetables were in it. Like you don't, I won't tell you anything about it. I was like, I'm not going to try to replicate and sell yours. Yes. She was so secretive about it. I like went to her girlfriend. I was like, uh, are there turnips in here? She's like, I can't tell you. I was like, what? <laughs> what if I'm allergic to like everything under the sun? My goodness. Yeah, it was. I was like, we're not we're not going to sell your recipe and try to make millions. Like, it's OK. <laughs> you can you can tell us. Um, um, OK, did they sell it? I don't know. I, don't, I, don't I just she just was. She oh, my was God. Just being weird. People anyway, are so precious. And yeah. Extra. Um, so Vicky, you, you were born in, yes. in Russia, is that correct? Yeah, Soviet Union former, Soviet even though they're trying Union to be the current, former. right? They're trying to be current again. So. <laughs> when, uh, how long did you grow up there? I, we left uh, during a big Russian Jewish exodus, Soviet Jewish. So we were actually refugee status um, as Soviet Jews. Wow. And uh, we, we, I was only two and a half when the whole family left um, do you and do you have like memories or like fake memories where people tell you and you're like I think I remember but I don't even know if that's a story or like how how is that for you? So it's so interesting. I don't have memories of the first two and a half years because I think first memories usually around four and five for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, however, memories can be in our body, right? Because actually, if a baby has something traumatic happen, like sure, the baby is going to grow up into someone who will remember, not remember it, but the body and the mind carries the trauma. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, when I went back, I went back for a semester in college to Moscow. That's where I spent my semester and everything was so familiar. Oh, interesting. And it's not only because I'd heard about it my whole life and I spoke Russian and I heard them talking about how the buildings were, every building has a courtyard and like a stray dog and like the streets, but it was just, it was more like in my bones familiarity. When you Um, went back um, on the semester abroad, like when you were planning that, was that something that was like, okay, I'm going to go back. I have all this family there. I'm going to, I've been here a thousand times. Of course I would go back for college. Or was it this thing of like, Maybe you've been once or you haven't, you don't really have your own relationship with Russia and you're trying to like forge that relationship. Like what was, where were you at with the homecoming by yeah. the time you went in college? That's a really good question. Um, it, I went to film school at Emerson and I went to go like apprentice with a Russian director. Oh, cool. But there is a reason I chose Russia, right? I Like no one was doing it. I had to make up my own like course study for the semester just to get credit. Like I could have easily gone to LA or 
somewhere in Europe where Emerson was doing a, a built-in program. So I do think I saw it as my chance to finally reconnect with that part I've been hearing about for 20 years, basically. Um, but back to, so I will talk about that because it is about being an outsider in both places in the United States and in Russia. Like, but, um, so when we immigrated, the refugees at that time from Moscow went through Rome for a month and then Vienna for a month. Um, and then we came to Boston eventually. If so you weren't refugees, we were Rome, great vacation. Like if it was, <laughs> I know, really, right? <laughs> Right. I mean, it's not it's not too shabby. Uh, you know, the good old days when refugees got apartments. Um, so <laughs> but um, we um, we uh, apparently my grandmother made soft boiled eggs every day. And because uh, that's all kind of we could afford. And then we had all this apparently goods from Moscow. Everyone took in all these suitcases and we went to the market in Rome and sold them. And then that's how we afforded our dinner and all wow. this stuff. So and it was like a family, you know, my parents my dad's sister, her son, me, our grandparents. So it was like seven of us or something. And, um, and then we landed in New York city and my mom who had left her whole family behind and the KGB said, you'll never see your parents again. You're a traitor. And she was like 26, 27. We landed in New York city and she just said, I was so excited despite the fact that it was so traumatic as landing in New York city and seeing the lights of the city. She was so excited Look at me now. I'm in New York City and I eat soft boiled eggs for breakfast like four days a week. So I really think <laughs> there is something in our blood. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. I'm like returning to that. So <laughs> Wow. Did your so did you spend the rest of your like did you grow you grew up here in New York? In Boston. In Boston. Yeah. It was like you, you New York City was the port, but then because we had um, my grandfather's brother already, because you have to have someone who invites you through the embassy. Right. You still do, actually. Uh, that's still a thing. Um, they he invite he was a world checker champion and that's how he got out and got to travel. Oh yeah, wow. Isaac Pepper? Cooperman. Pepper? Yes, yeah, there's like books about him. Yeah, Isaac Cooperman. Wow. And oh, he got wow. out. He eventually moved to Boston. And that's really why immigrants settle where they do, because they have family where they Right, wherever they yeah. family somewhere. Otherwise, how would you know? You're like picking a place on a map, right? Like so um so I grew up in Boston and moved here after college. Leaving as a refugee and you mentioned like the Jewish aspect of it, was that a big did that was that before? Was that a big part of your life that become? Did it not? Like, how did that, how did religion mm -hmm. play into it when you had to literally leave your home because of it? Yeah, that's a good question. So I was too young. My mom's not Jewish, uh, which is um, interesting. And my father's family just did experience a lot of anti-Semitism. And it was also a way to get out to a better life because the Communist Party and Soviet Union and the KGB were terrible. And it was very anti-Semitic. I mean, my dad, basically, my anyone Jewish didn't have a Soviet on their passport. It said Jewish. Mm. Like they were still like, <laughs> you know, branding people as Jewish. Like that's yeah. still like Nazi stuff and Stalin stuff. Um, so religion, we were not, my parents and I are not really religious. Um, my grandmother was, and especially became more so after she visited Israel. Um, but we always met for Passover. We always met for the Jewish holidays. My dad, like my immediate family didn't go to temple. Mm -hmm. They did, but it's more Jewish culture and identity that was, I definitely related to more than my mom's side is Russian Orthodox, but not religious at all because her family, you weren't really allowed to be religious in the Soviet union. So it's not like she grew up going to church. Right. Oh, interesting. How did your parents meet? 
I don't know. It may have been through a friend. And then my dad, um, my dad's family didn't even know about me and my mom until I was three months old because she wasn't Jewish and they had these plans to leave. Whoa. And he thought that would throw a wrench into everything. And then when they found out about us, they like came over with gifts and were like, what? We have a granddaughter. Wow. That's crazy. I feel like how does yes. the ability to pull that off? I know that's not the point of this, but I'm like, <laughs> But like How? having a secret family is wild. I know. I also like. I know. I'm currently trying to write a joke about it, which is why I think I I caught onto it. But I'm like, women can't have secret families because a no, the pregnancy, but also I was thinking about it from the other perspective, and I was like, be also the family wouldn't be able to run without the mom. Not to be like so no. gendered and stereotypical no, or whatever, but I'm like, tell like. There's no. not a single straight couple family in my mind that I can think of that'd be like, oh, mom's gone on a business trip every two weeks right. out of the month to Cincinnati to her other family and everybody's okay in both places. Like, that's not no. a thing. Nope. Nope. And men are like, I mean, even if you work with guys, like, their wife could be in labor. You wouldn't even know they're married. I like, say that all really... the time. That like, I There are yeah. comics that have kids. I have no idea they have kids until they're like, oh, well, my mm -hmm. kid's school called me. And I'm like, you have right. a child? Like you're married, you're, yeah. you're straight. What? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know any of this. I just learned all of those things about you, and it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. 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 How was it? Uh, like moving to Boston. Like how did how did that go for you? Was it easy to make friends? Did you have a hard time? Um. So I didn't do like the preschool thing, and looking back now, like because immigrants generally don't do like after school stuff because we have grandmothers. Right. <laughs> so, and we don't do like preschool. So I was taken care of by my grandmother from two and a half to five until my parents came home from work. And I was in a cocoon. Like I learned English on Sesame street and Julia child on PBS. I was going to ask if you, if your parents or if anybody yeah. was speaking English in your house or if it was just, you didn't get that until you it went to school. It was just Russian at that time. So were and you I like think... a five-year-old in a Boston public school with a thick Russian accent? Yeah. Wow. So yes, I, I grew up in Brookline, Mass. That's where they moved for the school system. Um, and it's right next to Boston. And, uh, I think I came into kindergarten and understood what people were saying, but I couldn't say it back because I'd been watching it on TV, but no one to speak English with. Like my grandmother and I learned English at the same time, but we <laughs> didn't really speak it. Yeah. And then they were going to move me to another school. I really was isolated because of the language. Of course. And, and my dad was like, oh. You or your family wanted to move you? The school. Oh, no. And then, you know, my Russian parents were like, just give her three weeks. <laughs> and... It's true. I learned English in like three. You know, I caught on because yeah. kids are kids. Just... Kids can take language on pretty easily. Yeah, my friend's yeah. son has a bunch of uh, Spanish-speaking kids in his daycare, and he's only like eight months. But if you're like or eighteen months, but if you're like, do you need some water? He's like yeah. agua. And like if he says, agua. he's always like canada. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you're learning Spanish, and there's no yeah. Not that they have any interest in stopping him, but there's no changing what language he's using. Like he he's been intermixing yeah. English and Spanish, and I'm like, that's awesome. But as a yeah. person who and comes like, into that system, it must have been very isolating. Oh, it was very and. Um, as I learned English and the culture, then I'm a little isolated at home because the culture of my family is very different than the culture <clears throat> I'm getting ingrained into. So it, immigrant children, especially my gen like first generation, 
who are really are born in the other country, um, they do have, it's like, we kind of don't belong anywhere. Yeah. Like, cause I, I, I speak, um, Russian with an American accent. So they don't quite know where I'm from when I went there. They, they really couldn't figure me out. And then here I just don't really relate to American culture that well. Like football, you know, it's not really me. Yeah. So uh, yeah. when you went uh, back, when you were abroad, did you feel, were you hoping to feel at home and you continued to feel isolated or was it just kind of a like learning experience? Like, or did it kind of rock your whole identity? Like, what was that? <laughs> how did you come out of that experience? I know. Well, I came out with horrible uh, mono and strep throat and I had to leave early because <laughs> it's Russia, but um, <laughs> perfect. But, um, <laughs> yes, I did feel like I related to the people more than they related to me, even though my Russian was fluent and it got fluent. It got very fluent. Even, you know, all I need is a few days and it gets more and more fluent, but I was there three months, but yeah. you know, I was speaking to somebody, um, on a bus and then someone else asked if I was from the South, but they met South of Russia. And it was like such a proud moment for me. I'm like, I don't sound American anymore. I just sound like I have a Southern Russian accent. (laughs) Amazing. Um, This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But yeah, so, um, but like, even like I, you hear a lot now about immigrants or adults saying school lunch was always isolating because. Right. It's not um, the you food know, you're used American to. And, yeah. Yeah. So I'd bring my lunch and I think we Americanized it a bit, which looking back, 
you know, it doesn't matter. I think maybe now is a more accepting time. Um, but I, I had a lot of friends, according to my parents, I was very social, but to me, it didn't always feel that way. I did feel a little bit on the outside. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just cause you get invited to the sleepover doesn't mean you feel like everybody yeah. wants you at the sleepover. No. Like they're two different right. things. You're That's like, right. just cause I got my foot in the no. door. doesn't mean I know what the hell they're talking <laughs> about. And doesn't mean I have yeah. the like Lisa Frank folders and the right sleeping bag or whatever. Like, yeah. Right. But I, I will say like, I, I still keep in touch with my friends from kindergarten, second grade. We have like five or six of us that keep in touch. Oh my wow. gosh. Wow. And we're really close, but then I have my Russian friends where we can just go from Russian to English and they just like understand me in a level that. Where are these friends deep. from? Like that you met in Russia when Same, you were studying Brookline. there? No, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay. Oh, other immigrants yeah. that you, that were speaking yes. Russian? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Did you so go my to best like friends. community centers or things like that? Um, no, no community centers, but I did take Russian class on Saturdays, every Saturday from like. I want to say second grade through college with the same teacher and me and my best friend and I did it. So we were all very close mm. um, and she was amazing. We would go to her apartment. And so it was like, we learned Russian grammar and writing and we, like we read Anna Karenina in Russian. You oh know? my gosh. It was like, yeah, it was like incredible. So were your parents really concerned with like preserving the culture or were they like, we're in America, we're going to eat Big Macs now? Like what was their engagement with America? That's a good question. Um, I would say preserving language and culture. Yes, they still watch Russian TV. They have Russian TV channels. Um, they all their friends are pretty much Russian. Um, they Russian songs, Russian movies, Russian poetry. Um, when we go out, they've. I'd say my family is diversifying now, but it was Russian restaurants for every big occasion, like the supper club type thing. Um, now they're kind of going out, branching out a bit. Um, when my mom visits me, we don't go, we usually don't go to Russian food. We go to whatever. I mean, they're open. They like travel. Um, you know, my mom travels with with me all around the world, Costa Rica, Belize, Europe. Um, but yeah, it is. But, um, I would say still pretty insular socially. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find, is there a typically like a big Russian community in the Massachusetts, Boston area? Yeah. I have, um, yeah, because I, I mean, not to be like, I know a, a Russian person who lives there, <laughs> but some of my, clo- some of my closest, uh, college friends grew up in, um, Lexington, I want to say. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and, uh, they're just always having like these huge get togethers. Like every party has like 80 families. Like it's just, it's, yeah. they all travel together. They all do everything together. And it's just, it's so wonderful. Yeah. It's just, we, I, I don't have anything like that. Like, I mean, we have stuff, we hang out with our friends, but it just seems like it's such a, a community of like, we all got through it. We're all here together. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely bonding and uh, people, you know, like attracts like and, and similar experience. Um, I'll never forget the first time my husband came with me to our Russian family event. I think it was someone's birthday. I don't know. We gather for everything. Yeah. Um, we enter the restaurant and he said, which table is, is your family? I go, what do you mean? Which table? The whole restaurant, like we, <laughs> the whole restaurant was our family. We rented it out. It was oh, like a hundred people wow. and it's all our family that's here. Wow. That's incredible. Um, and now, of course, husbands, wives, offspring, you know. Right. Um, yeah. But but I, I was laughing. I'm like, which table? 
He's like, oh, this is a lot of this is a lot of people to keep track of. I'm like, don't worry, you don't have to keep track of all of them. Just that table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like who's who's important. I remember uh I I don't have an enormous family, but I don't have a small family. Like my extended family is probably 50, 60 people. And my uh I took a college boyfriend to my cousin's wedding and he just kind of looked around and he's like, they all have the same face. Like I have like five female cousins <laughs> that like all look the same. He's like, I don't know how they literally all have the same face. And I was like, Oh, I never really thought about it. They definitely do. Yeah. They definitely, definitely do. He's like, I can at least tell who's your family when I'm around the hotel. Like I know where the Walshes are. I'm like, yep. Did you feel um, like pressured to be like successful? Like did you, did they, was there any pressure of like, we brought you to America, like now you have to make it or you have to, you know, be something big or or is there any of that pressure there is that pressure a lot in russian families uh yes and there's the pressure to go into certain fields that will be stable i did not go into those fields i was gonna say what are the stereotypical russian i don't think i know what those jobs are like what are they pushing people into Um, computer science always we will always (laughs) have jobs with computer science you know Anyone who becomes a doctor, gold star, gold star, gold star, sure. um, uh, you know, very stable jobs, uh, anything with computers or IT. Um, I, I didn't, I remember one guy, I wanted, I was going to film school and he's like, film school, what kind of jobs will you get out of that? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not thinking about that. I'm 18. I just, I'm <laughs> Things in film. And, yeah. 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 <laughs> and he was like, why don't you go to computer science? There are still things moving on screen, just like in film. <laughs> That's close enough. What, why would you have <laughs> a dream? Film, just get a stable job. Film yeah. school, like where where did that come from? Like that desire, that passion. Um, I I mean, my parents are very artistic, so that's I think because my parents are very into arts and culture, uh, always. Um, and they they do it with their friends. They do arts and culture events, and also put on their own events. Um, so probably from that, but also. I just, I don't know why we're drawn to what we're drawn, you know, I I really don't, but I did do an internship in uh, high school, uh, at my access TV station and I started making videos and and films. And now my niece is doing it at the same TV station. Oh, that's cool. Full circle. Yes. And she, you know, I, I helped her kind of like find it. And cause she had said she wants to go to Emerson where I went and I was so proud. Um, oh, even wow. though it's so expensive, I was like, do you want to maybe go to a state school? Yeah. <laughs> <It's so expensive. laughs> yeah. They're great. I've heard they're great. Why don't you try it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I feel like also engineering is a big one. Engineering, you know, anything that makes money that's stable and, uh, in the Soviet union, not now, but I think then there was very strong math, science, STEM, uh, education. So it just was a normal profession to go into. Um, yeah. now I don't know what's happening in Russia. You know, I, just, the country's falling apart. Uh, <laughs> so did you like when you were in film school, what did, was that a good experience? Like, did you learn, were you like, yes, I made the right choice. I'm so happy being here. I well, this, this is my future. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's not the school or the film. I actually think at 18, I wasn't ready to go to school. 
And I did. I think I should have deferred a year. I don't know who is, to be honest. I think that yeah. either we yeah. need to make college five years or we need to tell everybody to take a gap year. I feel like yeah. everyone's wasting that year and they have absolutely no idea what they actually want to study. No. And it's just a waste of money no. and credits and time and alcohol poisoning. And yeah. we should just like, <laughs> that's, push it back. That's the thing. Like, uh, And that's, you know, I went to Emerson, so that's not actual frat sorority culture, like that American culture I said I've never connected to. But I still struggled, I think, because there were still cultural things that the kids at Emerson, well, a lot of the theater kids, they just were in their own world and they had their own language. And I didn't grow up. I didn't go to any musical. Like, I didn't know anything about theater. Now I do. I live in Hell's Kitchen. I mean, I go to the theater all the time when I can. But yeah. um, I, I, I did feel a little like an outcast. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, like, this is not, I have like a quote of Tyrion Lannister up behind me <laughs> like Tyrion Lannister I would say is probably an outcast in his own family right in Game of Thrones so yeah. it's not a coincidence it's not an accident I think I'm always drawn to people it's probably why I started comedy it's really a society of out people who probably are a little outcasts or how to be observers yeah 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 I uh you know? I was I just read um uh Judd Apatow's second book uh Sicker, Sicker in the Head and um, pretty much like every comedian he interviews is like, I felt like an outsider. Da, 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 da. And then I went yeah. to a comedy club and I was like, oh, my God, my people. That yeah. was like s- such a thread amongst right. like everyone. And plus, all, we've obviously interviewed a lot of comedians here on our podcast. And that's always a common thread. Uh, mm. It's it's so funny. I always feel like people in high school like can't find their people and they go to college right. and they do find their people sometimes, not always. But it's yeah. like that same thing of like you kind of bring everyone from like all around the country, the world into yeah. like one thing. And you're going to find the people who are like you if you're in the right spot. And comedy is yeah. so and I, you difficult know, to pursue that it's like, if people continue yeah. to show up, it's because they really want to do it. And then you're like, Oh, I identify yeah. with you on that level as well. We're both like struggling to keep our little fingies yeah. held on to this thing that is so elusive and so difficult. And like, even and but comedy itself is isolating because it's just you and like you can have your friends and the clubs that you like and the people that you like but like last night I went to a show and you know it's so easy to just be like okay my spot's done I'll I'll see you later but I stayed till the end I was like I'm gonna be a good participant and then a couple comics were like hey do you want to go have a drink and I was like and then we ended up having like a really nice conversation where we all figured out something that was happening to us that was also happening to other people. Like, Oh, I've also had trouble with that booker or I've also felt that way at that club. And those moments are so confirming, like, so just like, Oh my gosh, thank you. And I, I remember saying last night, like, Hey, I'm really sorry that happened to you, but I also feel better because it happened to me. And like, I now feel less isolated. So it's just a really interesting weave of like finding your people, but also still having to go on your own path. And like, when you yeah. have those connecting moments, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. We do feel the same way. And isn't that gratifying? But it's still so much time by yourself with your own thoughts and like still observing what's going on because that's how you come up with material and, and stuff. So it's just an interesting blend of like feeling identified, but also still feeling isolated, at least to me. I don't know. It, I can't speak is. for everybody. It is. No, very much. And I felt very weird in green rooms before, even around the people that, you know, I have something in common with something, but, um, I mean, I, I think as we know, like the elephant in the room as women, um, we're often the only ones on the show, especially on the road. 
And I, it's very isolated. I mean, I remember I was in a car with two guy comics once who we should be all in the same thing. And then they, they, they said something that was so isolating that I just was like, Oh God, let this night be over, which is there were three of us on the show. And one of them was like, I'm the host. And the other one's like, I'm the feature. And then they both go, so what, what are you? And I'm like, I'm the headliner. Wow. And they just couldn't, yeah. they couldn't <laughs> fathom. They couldn't you know, they're like, are you getting us our coffee? They're like, wait, what's yeah. you, right. so you're doing a five minute guest spot that you got in the car for two right. hours to right. do or something. Right. Wow. Yes. I had, a- and I will say that that was nine years ago. And I think this new group is a little more woke, uh, a little bit like the, a little, I slightly. wouldn't say everybody always. I definitely feel like I'm still not always. Yeah, not always. No, no, no. I will never make that claim. But maybe now they they wouldn't have said that. It? I don't know. I'm wishful thinking. I don't know. Yeah. Um, please. There's plenty of sexism out there. But I mean, these were my peers, and I found mostly my peers have gotten a little more understanding of how hard it is for us. Yeah, I would say that. I would say they're at least like yeah. looking around, being like. A yeah, little bit. Yeah. Although then you look at who's being yeah. booked and posters of shows and right. you're like, but did it's you ridiculous. really, you feel like you did it? Cause there's one of us like, that's not how right. that works. But I remember I was right. in a car with a pretty well-known comedian. So I'm not going to say his name and another comic who was trying to endear himself to this guy. And they were talking yeah. about comedy for, you know, a half an hour, hour. And I was driving and they're all their favorite comics. So they're just naming person after person after person. And I am yeah. just realizing they haven't named a single woman. And I'm like, okay, like, I'm just kind of getting a little frustrated. And then finally, they're like, Emily, you haven't really like spoken up. Like, who's your, who would you say your favorite comic is? And I was just like in a weird headspace and frustrated with them. So I was just like, women. I like women, women yeah. comics. And like, yeah. and they just kind of like froze and they didn't like say anything. And then the famous person was like, oh yeah, Ellen is great. And I was like, <laughs> really? Ellen is the most Ellen. relevant. And this person uh, made, like got more well-known because he was opening for a famous woman for a couple of years and didn't say her name, but was like, Ellen is really great and i was like i have i want to drive this car into a tree like this is not a good conversation <laughs> at all but you know what are you gonna do emily please email me just the name of this company of course after yeah. the show, after the show <laughs> okay, i okay. will definitely tell you who okay. it is i just uh yeah. yeah yeah i started in new york is that what you're gonna ask yeah i was wondering if you started okay. in boston or new york or i didn't start in boston and it's funny because emerson college is a college of many comedians uh that went there i mean stephen wright uh, Anthony Clark, Jay Leno, Dennis Leary may have, uh, and then Jennifer Coolidge went there. I mean, like a lot of comedic people went there, but I, so that's another thing I do believe sometimes we're just drawn to things, but we don't always know why, you know? Yeah. Um, it's like the powers that be told me to walk to the ocean and then, you know, like, um, <laughs> but I did start in New York. I started in New York and, you know, it was tough. I did feel I was excited. It was that time where I was doing three to four spots a night, like mics and like bar shows or whatever. So it was, there was a lot of adrenaline. Uh, but I also felt very quickly like, oh, this is a very weird, like I found good people, but this is, I do not know what to make of this. This is a little isolating too. 
Yeah. It's almost like at this point, I'm just drawn to where I'll feel a little bit like I'm an outsider and a little bit like I belong. <laughs> and I think it's all within me, right? It's all yeah, like, yeah. It, it partly has to do with social anxiety. <laughs> it's totally social anxiety. I literally talked to my therapist about this last night because there was a show yeah. that I was like, I, um, I want to go to this thing. It's, it was last night. It was one liner madness. And I was a, I was on it. Oh, I didn't I even see it. you. I was, so I was an yeah, alternate yeah, yeah. and then I ended up leaving, but I was, yeah. I was an alternate and I had been booked to do it in March, 2020 as not an alternate. And then I wasn't booked to do yeah. it this time, but then she asked for alternates and I was like, I'll do it. And then all day I was like, do I really want to go there and have people be like, Oh, what bracket are you? I'm an alternate. Like I do. Yeah. Is that, Right, gratifying right. or should I just get over it because I will see 64 comics I think are funny and like, you know, go hang. And all day right. I like went back and forth and I was in therapy about it. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what there is to gain versus like how much anxiety I'm having about this. And she was like, yeah, but like realistically what's going to happen? Like, yes, you might right. have that moment where right when you walk in the room, you don't know who to connect. To. Like you don't meet eyes with somebody you like, know right away but you'll find people you know like and of, of course before i even got to the green room i saw a couple comics and we're like oh hey how's it going you know like and it was a good experience and it was nice to go but it's it's like it is easy to right. sometimes not do it and be like you know what i'm not gonna go Very. do the hang because what if i do end up in a corner looking at my phone and and my worst nightmare is that somebody's like why is emily walsh here but that's not what they're doing because they're worried about their own shit and nobody cares what I'm doing. And also, I think your name is Megan, yeah. so it's fine. Exactly. They don't even they don't even know. They're like, "Who's that old yeah. lady in the corner? And what is she doing here?" <laughs> no, it's just like it's it's just like your own management of anxiety and like what is worth it to you. And and nine times out of ten, at least, I am pleasantly surprised. So why not try? You know. But I don't know. It's also really easy was, to stay at home. I, <laughs> It's so easy to stay at home, but it's an, it's an easy choice isn't always the best choice. And I do find uh, exactly what you said, that everyone's a narcissist and no one's going to even remember you're an alternate or not. Yeah. Like people were emailing to me, you had great rounds. And I'm like, I only had one round. But like, <laughs> it's like no one, I, I mean, like Emily, you were concerned about you being an alternate. What you weren't concerned about was anyone else being an alternate. It's not like you didn't think about it at all. Didn't think about right. it at all. So, yeah. uh, and I saw you walk into the green room and I tried to get your attention. So there for every Emily. person you see, there's probably five that want to oh, see no. you. And <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. And, and then I went, I went home and cried that I was snubbed by Emily. You were like, <laughs> no, wow, Emily's rude. She's a bitch. No, I was busy having an anxiety attack, but I, I'm sorry that I didn't see you. <laughs> And then, and it's just so. It is stressful though. I want to say 64 comics in a green room. I was not, I was dreading it because that's yeah, a lot. It's just room, a lot of stimulation. God. I mean, I have panic disorder. I'm on Prozac. I can't, it's a lot for me. Like I get very stimulated with that, like the yeah. audio of it. So I, I did, but then I, I hung out with Afira and I caught up with her after years and I'm like, this was lovely. There are normal people in this. There this, are you know, normal people. Like, yeah. And I would have yeah, loved yeah. to stay the whole time because, because then I, so yeah. I went and I was one of five alternates and I was like, I'm probably never going to get up, but the way the brackets are playing out, I will stay until the last minute and then I'll go to my show. Cause right. I had a show I was booked on. 
that would have conflicted with the last like half an hour of the show. And then at like nine o'clock, mm-hmm. I was talking to Patrick Casey, who was another alternate. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm just going to get to my show comfortably. They haven't needed either one of us. Right. No one even knows we're here. Like they haven't checked to right. see if we're here. You're still here. What are the odds they need five alternates? You know, like I'm going right. to, I'm going to head out. And then I go to my show at QED and then Christian Finnegan, who was at one liner comes back to QED and he goes, Emily, they were looking for you. And I was like, yeah, they were calling you. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I had it's a okay. real, it's okay. It was fine. Patrick was like, I did it. They were calling for you. Cause you yeah. checked in before yes. me. Yes. Like it was your turn. You would have gotten to go, but you were gone and I wouldn't have been able to do both. And I was booked on the other show. So I needed to go, but I also just didn't know who to tell. I was like, you know, whatever it is, what it is, but oh like Cam gosh. Christian walking in and being like Emily, like you're supposed to be over there, and I was like, well, I fucked up everywhere. I I screwed up yeah. on all the places, but no, you didn't. You didn't screw up at all. And the thing in this business that I remind myself every day is to let things go. Yeah, yeah. Because this doesn't do you any good to hold on to the fact you may have done one joke for eight seconds, right? The one one liner, and then probably what was, not. What was the goal? Right. The goal of the night was to raise money for animals. The goal was accomplished. There you That's go. It. Emily, what was your one-liner? Yeah, I, I had one now. Oh, I <laughs> no, <laughs> I, a joke. I'm not going to do that. But I did have them ready. I was prepared. I would have been ready to go. But I didn't oh. even watch a single one-liner because I was in the green room and then I was like, I have to leave. So I, I had a lovely conversation with a couple people. Um, not everybody, obviously, because I didn't see you there. So all in all, I think it was a success, I guess. I'm hoping Emily Winter wasn't like, where the fuck did you go? But, you know, you have to no. move on. You have to send her an email. Yeah. It'll be fine. Yeah. 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 Wow. What a night. What a time to be alive. Yeah. It really thank was. God I moved to but, you know, but last <laughs> night was a perfect. Oh, what? Sorry, Carly. I was just going to say, thank God I, I moved out of New York. Uh, so I can't have that. <laughs> I uh, no, it's I do miss it. I miss it a lot. Sorry. Go ahead, Becky. <laughs> Where are you? I'm in, uh, I live in the DC area right now. Oh, but I didn't it's know It's temporary, that. I think. We'll probably move back probably next year. We'll see. Do you follow Overheard in DC on Instagram? No, but I should. It's really funny. It's funny, especially when there's something crazy going on in the news. It's very funny. Yeah, oh, they just basically share really good, uh, they aggregate really good tweets and Instagram posts about DC. It's really good. Oh, wonderful. Maybe I should yeah. put anything that my I'm, I'm a healthcare clinician by day I should put like anything oh, that wow. my my patients say it would probably make, <laughs> yeah. would probably make it uh well because my my patients are are oftentimes like work in the government in some way or the other so uh-huh. I don't hear like any inside scoop per se but just like the crazy places that they go to and all the things that they know and do I'm like oh my goodness that is so where yeah. are my finance bros like let's <laughs> let's get back to, oh, God. to what kind people. of healthcare? Uh, I'm an occupational therapist oh wow good for you thank you for your service <laughs> that's very kind well. <laughs> no welcome. really you're welcome so what were you gonna say before I cut you off I apologize as a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. 
Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Well, I was going to say last night, last night's show that Emily brought up is a perfect example of what we're talking about, where I bet all 64 people felt they were on the outside. I do, I do think yeah. that. And a few people I yeah. asked, like, for like two men who were like, I got, yeah, I except got two it. men. Who thought, yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone <laughs> I talked to was like, even Christian Finnegan, like we were talking at QED and he was saying he felt out of place because he doesn't drink anymore, which I didn't even know. But he's right. like, what do you do in a green room of 64 comics if you're not drinking? And I'm not drinking right now because I'm in the middle of this like whole 30 thing that's dumb and I don't need to talk about it. But I wasn't drinking either. So I was like, yeah, you know, they also ran out of water. And then what do you do? And like, I talked to a comic in the green room who was up against a comic he definitely thought he was going to lose to. And at one point I was like, hey, how's it going? Did you get knocked out? He's like, no, I've gone past two rounds already. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm glad, you know, you say that. And I'm like, yeah, everybody was just doing their best to, you know, yeah, survive. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't even, I don't really drink. I'm not, it's not like I'm sober from a problem. I just really don't drink because I don't like how it makes me feel for the next three days. I'm just sensitive to it. And so I did take half a Xanax though before I went. So I guess I had some sort of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> help. But it's funny how people are like, what do you do if you don't drink? Because I think it is a, a big, it's like a, a, a coping skill or something you can hide behind or hide in when you're like feel too awkward to have a conversation. But then I get there and I have like these great deep conversations with three comics I haven't seen in a long time who are human beings. And also know? like I always forget that all comics are so weird. Like I came in and I, yeah. I didn't see somebody to talk to right away. But then I started talking to uh, Kenise Mobley and we're, we're talking for less than two minutes and we get into earwax TikTok. Like we're talking about watching oh, yeah. like video I and I'm like and she's TikTok. like sending me videos and I'm like. Why was I worried about this? Like, we're all fine. And then people were coming over to us being like, what are you guys talking about? And we're like, earwax. And then like, some people are on board and some people are like, you guys are gross. Like, we're moving on. But it is just like, it's once the bandaid is ripped off, you're like, oh, we're just all people doing our best. And like, you know, whatever. It's like taking every wallflower from every school dance and putting them in a green room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fair enough. Um, okay, changing subjects for like a second. Uh, so, Vicky, okay. you've got several comedy albums. You've got a book. Yes. Like, how to how yeah. how do you go from like uh, having an idea, like having all this material prepared, to like feeling ready to like take that next step to produce something like that? Um, how how does it feel once it's out there? Like, go. Th- can you talk about that for a little bit? That's a really good question. And, you know, my first album, I think I recorded seven years in. Um, so feeling ready is something you have to take off the table because <laughs> uh, you're never going to. Uh, well, I've never felt ready. Um, 
it's kind of like the Lord Michaels quote. We don't go on at 1135 because we're ready. We go on because it's 1135. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't have an 1135 given to you, you have to just make it. So I actually wrote an article about this, about when my third album, I was promoting it, which was uh, three's comedy that I did. It was like a compilation. And uh, I wrote an article about how to record your first or how to record a comedy album. And literally the first step is set a date and then everything goes from there because you have to make your own 1135. You have to reverse engineer it from being like, I have to be ready now because no matter what they're selling tickets for June 5th or whatever. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And then you have that and then you just will perform what you perform by that date. And, uh, my husband will be the first to tell you that one of my triggers is people who continuously talk about doing things and never do it. It's very mm-hmm. hard for me. It's hard because I'm a doer. And if I'm not a doer, if I'm not doing something, it probably means I should be. Um, and yeah. there's people, we all know them. They've been talking in circles for seven years. I was going to say dating straight album. men must have been terrible for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's so, oh, God, Emily, it's so hard. Like, it's so hard. Like that, all I'm thinking about is all of the dudes that are just like, oh, you do this. I've always thought about that. I've always, if yeah, I just oh, tried God, it. I can't. Oh, it's really hard. It's hard to be around. And I also don't like people who, well, I can't say I don't like them, but it's hard for me to be around people who talk themselves out of things instead of talk themselves into things. Yeah. Mm. Because I just, that mentality is so not me. And I, I mean, I'm going to sound really Russian. I find it weak. I'm like the first time I saw Amy Hoffer and she did like a panel at QED when I first got into comedy and she was like, women ask for things six months after they're ready and men ask for things two yeah. years before they're ready. Yes. And I'm like, I try to think about that all the time and be like, by the time I'm like, hey, could I maybe please possibly maybe it's like, think about all the men who've already asked to do what you're asking to do. And then ask. They haven't asked. They've demanded. They said, hey, put me up on your show. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm so sorry for existing. Here are my seven hours of comedy I've recorded. (laughs) Um, May I do a five minute spot? Here's a link to my video. I'm very sorry for bothering you. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, yes, yeah, set a date. And then I just really organize my material. I have like my own system right now. I'm working on my next hour and it's coming along. And I, I actually have a new way of writing, which is just stretch out as much as possible of one joke. Cause it's so much <laughs> less work. <laughs> it's so much less work than writing eight new jokes. Um, and it makes it, it's just like another way to write. Um, so, um, which goes against the one liners last night, uh, but, but, um, yeah, so you just have to go forward and not think about it. It probably helps, uh, that I grew up already a little bit on the outside because, what do I have to lose? No one's like in my mind, I'm like, Oh, no one's watching. What do I have to lose? And then suddenly I hear people are watching or like, you know people you know like you you know we tweet things and put stuff on social media and we're like well that goes in the abyss and then like three years later someone's like i really love i love your stuff you really make me laugh every day i'm like really oh my god great someone's watching yeah (laughs) somebody reached out to me last night um on instagram and they were like 
you just, I, I'm having a really hard time with like networking and you just seem like you really are connected. Could, do you mind if we have like coffee? And I'm like, I would <laughs> right. have sent this exact message to you, but yeah, let's have coffee. Let's compare yeah. notes. Like yeah. I, we're both right. insecure and we're both feeling like the other person right. is booked more than we are. So let's, let's right. chat it out. Like let's change, exchange some emails, but it's just crazy what, and like, especially with social media and like TikTok, I feel like has really changed social media because of how much, like how low the bar is for starting a video. Like I feel on Instagram and like on Facebook, everybody was like, here's this picture that I curated. Here's this video I recorded three times. I have the lighting, whatever. And TikTok is so many people and like people across the board, not just comics or whatever that are recording while they're walking to their car or they're recording while they're putting their makeup on or they're recording, you know, whatever. And it's lowered the bar of hitting record. Like you don't have to think about it anymore. You're just like, what if I just started talking and let's see if anybody gives a shit about this. So then you just release some people are just releasing content every day, more and more stuff every day. And then it is like, if you sit down and you watch all of your TikToks, like if I sat down and watched my 300 TikToks or whatever, I'm like, would I feel represented by those? Or would I be like, what are you talking about in these videos? Like, how would I, you know, so it's interesting because we just make them and send them out and assume nobody's watching. And, and something that people have brought to my attention lately that I have been trying to think a little bit more about with social media. Cause you're always thinking about views and like how many people have seen this and whatever. And it's like a few hundred views on a video feels bad. However, if 400, 600, 800 people were in a room listening to you tell that joke, that would feel amazing. That would feel like the amazing. biggest room you've ever been in. So like mm-hmm. maybe don't devalue a hundred, couple hundred views, right. like at least like do your best or whatever, you know, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing to think about because you're like, there were 280 eyes that saw this video of me, my dog or whatever, you know? So think right. about it as people and not just as these numbers we're chasing. It's true. And, and also opportunities, you never know, like everything you're chipping away, right? So like, you could go to a networking event and then a show and then perform. And then six months later, you occur to somebody because they saw you there. So it's yeah. not like, I think everyone here wants this, you know, obviously we're a culture of instant gratification, but comics too, I think they're so reactive. So they'll go to a networking event or do a show that they think is going to give them a lot of heat. And then like 48 hours later, they're like, well, that was a waste of time. Yep. No, it wasn't. You don't even know what it's going to lead to. You have to relax and breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Relax Carly, are you doing comedy in DC? Uh, I am. I'm getting, I'm getting in, I get, it goes in waves, uh, mm-hmm. like doing the mics, trying to get on the shows and then something happens and I get discouraged and I take a step back and then I get back into it. It's just, I think it was a hard transition going from like, it took me a while to get my foot in the door in New York. And I thought that having like six years of being a comedian under my belt would like mean something when I moved to DC, but I didn't have enough connections. I didn't have like people already have their people that they want to book. So I just need to give it more time. I think I just thought I would be like, Oh my God, I'm going to use my best jokes. They won't even know that I'm like (laughs) a season, whatever. I have all this experience. I'll be like, Oh, who is this girl? Let's get her on our show. That didn't happen. They don't care. You know what I mean? I just, Mm. I just have to kind of get out of my own head about it. Um, just give it more time, but I'm just trying to reach out to people and, just do my best. Try, I'm trying to submit my things to more festivals to try to make those connections, mm-hmm. and we'll see. We'll see. I, 
it's a it's a journey. It's always a journey. <laughs> yeah, I have a um. I'm I'm big on sharing, like especially with women. And I have a sheet I started of U.S. bookers and the New York bar shows, but I'm going to add festivals and I'll share it with both of you. Yeah, please oh, do. Amazing. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's a lot of U.S. comedy bookers. Um, I mean, it's hard to get in with all of them, but uh, yeah. You send 10, 15 emails, maybe you get one or two responses. And then that's, those are bookings. Yeah. And that's honestly where I'm going. Like yeah. I I sent like a bazillion and probably it was like 10, but in my brain, a bazillion. And for if I get one back that gets me on a show, yeah. I'm like, I did it. <laughs> yeah. Success. And so. then it is like shows and- beget shows. Because I, I had like two weeks where I really had very few shows and I was yeah. like, I'm quitting comedy. Yeah. And instead I sent like no. 35 emails. And then this past week I've done like eight shows in six days and I'm like, okay. And then like, I was at what the first of these shows and got booked on another show while I was there. And I was like, okay, it's completely yeah. flipped around in a day, which is again, like how fragile comedians egos and emotions are because I was like, I'm just going to leave. And then I was like, Nope, I'm the queen of yeah. comedy. Everything's fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything's fine. And also Carly, I was six years in when I did a lot of festivals, probably like five or six in one year, exactly six years in. And, uh, I have some to recommend to you. Some are better Amazing. than others. Yeah. And then the, some actually pay like really well. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah I think I just need to get festivals? an upded uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to get an updated yeah. an, an updated video. I think that's where yeah. I'm at right now is I can't submit my New York Comedy Club four years ago video anymore. Right. I gotta right, right. I gotta find something. Cause you know, the pandemic hit, so I didn't have anything then yeah. and then I moved and so I don't I'm like, okay, well can I send this open mic video? maybe if it's good enough. I don't know, you know, so I'm just I'm working it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we have been here for an amazing amount of time. It's been almost an hour and we want to make sure that we get to our very important segment, which is where we want to know, Vicky, where do you specifically like to eat alone at lunch? Oh, gosh. Um, it can be a spot in your house if that is what appeals to you. Anything. Yeah. Oh, anything. oh, oh, okay. okay. It can be a bed in your uh, house. It can be a restaurant. It could be a, a bench, park. It could be yeah, wherever you whatever. feel like you like to eat alone. I usually don't eat alone in public, like meaning unless it's a restaurant. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to look into that in therapy. Why? Uh, <laughs> um, let's say if I'm working from home, I like to eat on my couch while watching Below Deck. Yes. Delightful. <laughs> Delightful. And it's often a huge bowl of stovetop popped popcorn. For some reason, I thought you were going to say stovetop stuffing. And I was like, I want to unpack that. I want to unpack while you're just eating stuffing for lunch. But I I celebrate it. I I have really taken to watching reality TV show during my lunch as well. And I think it's a nice little brain break to be like, what are these hot dum-dums up to? Let's just check in with them. (laughs) Exactly. That or Shark Tank, which is my love language of reality shows. Oh, my mom loves Shark Tank. I own a lot of their products. I love Shark Tank. Yes. Because I'll be like, I have a call in 20 minutes. I have time for one pitch, you know? Like, you can just do one pitch. There you go. It's very contained. Also, Carly, yeah, Swoveralls were on Shark Tank, just so you know. Oh. Just so you know. Who, who was? Swoveralls. Oh, no. uh, so I've become obsessed with these Swoveralls. I got a second pair. No big deal. Um, they're, you did? I did. They're sweatpant oh, overalls, and they're so fucking comfortable. They look a little silly. I think I just saw them. They're, I saw that pitch. They're unbelievably comfortable because there's absolutely no waistline. You're just in a loose sweatpant, wow. living your best life. And often I wear them when we're recording and Carly makes fun of me, but I love them. 
And I got my second pair. So watch out because I signed up for their like TikTok program. And if, if I get some views, I'll get some money for, for some more. So overall, so really, this is my new personality. Ooh. Uh, and it's actually just money for whatever. So maybe not so overalls, but maybe, uh, maybe I'll get the shorts. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, they were, (laughs) they were on Shark Tank. (laughs) So my face is, uh, the skincare regimen is proven, which was on Shark Tank. Nice. Um, it is a formulaic. They like, it's a question and answer artificial intelligence formula skincare regimen. I've been using it two years and I love it. It's wow. so simple. Wow. There you go. And they didn't even get a deal, but they're very, very successful. Neither did Swivel Rolls. See? This yeah. Is- there you go. Yeah. <laughs> we have the sponge with the face. I think that was. We do too. Oh, sponge Daddy. Scrub Daddy. Daddy. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Shark Tank. Problem. I think that's the most successful. Because it's Shark awesome. Investment. They're awesome. I buy them for people. <laughs> yeah. I'm obsessed. They, I think I, I saw the top 10. I think Lori Grenier has like six or seven of the top 10. She's a, wow. she's a smart cookie, that she's, lady. She is freaking awesome. I love them all. I love, I mean, Barbara Corcoran, you know, she has my heart and Damon John. That's why I'd hang out with Barbara and Damon. Yeah. Damon is fun. <laughs> Barbara, I follow on TikTok and she is a silly grandma vibe. She is doing she silly is awesome. TikTok things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this has been so fun. Uh, Vicky, can you please uh, take the time now to promote your stuff, promote what you got going on, shows, books, handles, anything you want to throw out there? Sure. You guys are so sweet. Uh, Vicky Cooperman on Instagram and Twitter. It's K-U-P-E-R, like Superman, but with a K. And I will be doing, check out my uh, schedule, VickyCooperman.com. I'll be doing the Risk live storytelling show in late April. And that's a podcast as well. So download that when that's out. Amazing. Heck yeah. Vicky is just so giving of a person. I know you said it before, but it just makes me want to be a better like participant in my community and just be like, how can I tell people anything I have to tell them? Yeah, I feel like I very easily get carried away in the comp competitive mode of being a comedian, especially as a woman, especially as a gay person who's like, oh, there's only going to be one woman on this show or only one LGBT plus person and I'm like I want it to be me where she very much embraces that it can be all of us there's room for all of us and I I definitely (laughs) inspires me to be a better a better person uh, in that sense for sure what is your recommendation this week I have a feeling you're gonna have something to do with Jewish refugees if I had to guess if you had to guess well uh in the, t- in the time that we are recording this, uh, just a couple of days ago was uh, Yom HaShoah or Holocaust Remembrance Day. And speaking of Judaism and uh, refugees and all of, in, in that sense, I, obviously Vicky was not <laughs> in the Holocaust. She is much younger than that. But it all together kind of brought me into that um, headspace. And I recently... Uh, I recently read a book recommended to me by my fiance Kate's mom, um, who I, I believe will probably listen to this. She's a fan of the show, so I thank you for listening, Mary. Um, uh, this, the book is called The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna, and oh, it's a book. really beautiful, touching, moving story about uh, these sisters in France uh, during World War II and just how they both have to kind of navigate in very different ways the same situation. Uh, And it's 
it's beautiful. It's heartbreaking. It's as any Holocaust book is going to be. Um, so definitely do not read it if you're looking for a light read. This is <laughs> more of a heavy <laughs> read, but it's so beautifully written. And I know that Kristen Hanna has a lot of other great books. So if you're already a Kristen Hanna fan, you know, this is definitely one to read. Um, but yeah, as the as the Jewish uh, person on this podcast, I had to had to go that route and had to uh, represent. Re- have to represent. Yeah. So the Nightingale Kristen by Hanna's Kristen books. Hanna. There, I read a bunch of them last year. I got them all from the library on Audible, and I was really, I was tearing through them. And they're all very good, but they're all like two women that are having a really hard time. Like it's always like the Alaskan wilderness or the Dust Bowl, or you know, they're very good, but they're not, uh, they're not peppy. They're not a beach read, <laughs> but I, I would recommend them too. My recommendation for this week is a little, uh tangent-esque I'm, I'm i went on a little bit of a mental journey it it honestly is a book that popped up into my head while she was talking and so it is the she was talking about russia obviously but this is more uh the relation was east germany but she was talking about she mentioned the kgb really quickly and it, it popped this book into my head that i've read a few times and uh people who read a lot might have divisive opinions about jonathan franzen some people are like the corrections is the best book ever some people are like this man is toxic and out of touch and whatever so if you're not a fan of jonathan franzen already then you can disregard the next two minutes but the, the book I'm recommending is a book called Purity, and it's like one of those books where you jump from character to character story. You spend a long time with one character and kind of hop around. But the reason it popped into my head is that um, one of the characters is a younger woman who's trying to like identify with where her history is. She doesn't know who her father is. Her mom won't tell her, but she is also just trying to like find out what her culture is. And then the uh, there's another character who deals with the KGB uh, in a big way. And I won't really get into that because it might be like spoily, but he, he talks about his childhood's experiences in East Germany and then his adult experiences in America and elsewhere. And um, I enjoyed it as a book. I don't know. It, it isn't one of his highest regarded novels. So if you're not, if you read the corrections and were like, meh, then maybe don't read it. But if you, if you enjoyed his other books, I think you would enjoy purity. So that is my recommendation this week. Enjoy our recommendations and thank you for listening as always. Please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening, everybody. And you can find me, Emily, at The Funny Walsh on all of the platforms. And I'm Carly J. Montag on all of the platforms as well. You can find the podcast at Alone at Lunch Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And please email us anything you'd like to tell us at alone at lunch at gmail.com. And if you have a second, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend about the podcast. See you next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Alone at Lunch early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone.
Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. <laughs> Judy Justice. Only on Freebie.